Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Happy New Year. Welcome 2022. We are setting off this year with episode 62, Falling in Love with Your Imperfections. Monica is a Latinx licensed professional counselor, certified rehabilitation counselor, and mental health coach in Dallas, Texas. Monica helps entrepreneurs overcome anxiety and perfectionism so they can feel confident in life and in business. Monica is also the host of Cafe with Monica podcast, where she brings amazing entrepreneurs to cover all things life, mental health, and entrepreneurship. In today's episode, Monica and I talk about anxiety, overcoming childhood pains, and living our best life. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, I am welcoming Monica as our guest today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Um, We are here talking about love, and my first question to you is, what is your love story with yourself? Like, when did you fall in love with who you are and your life? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And it has been a journey. You know, when I first saw the questions that you sent over, I was like, wow, like, it's just been so many got me to reflect on all the different experience that I had, but one that really stands out is when I was in graduate school to become a mental health therapist. And I have always been an overachiever. Um, My mom raised me as a single mom. I lived a majority of the time with my grandparents and my mom was always working. Um, And so I just always felt the need to have to excel, um, to do the most um, in anything that I set my mind to. And I didn't realize that I had measured my self-worth in achieving, like if I wasn't achieving, if I had failed at something at the first try, I would take it very personal. I would take it very hard and not able to move forward. And it wasn't until graduate school where I had my first semester. And I just remember like overcommitting myself. I was in all these different committees and I was working um, like two jobs and like doing traveling, all of this. And I remember it was the week after finals and all of a sudden I was at work. I was, I was a graduate student at the time, a graduate assistant at the time I was at work and I just had felt, felt like this very hard pain in my chest. And I was just like, what's going on? Like, this is heartburn. Like, what is this? And I just couldn't, I didn't know what it was. So I told my boss, Hey, I'm just not feeling well. I'm going to go, I'm going to go home. Well, that day I had, because I was doing too much and I'm always, was always the person saying yes to people. If they needed help, I would say yes. I had a friend who said, Hey, like, could you look over? Could you, could we go for coffee later? Um, I want you to look over an assignment for me. Um, like this essay, I just, I feel like I really need your input. And I said, yes, but I had already been feeling that day with that, like that hard chest pain. 
And so I was like, oh man, I can't say no. Like I already committed to it. So then the afternoon rolled around. I went with my friend and again, this chest pain was just terrible. Like I couldn't, I felt just very uneasy. Felt like I wanted to throw up. And I told my friend, like, I, I need to go home. Like, I'm just not feeling well. I need to go home. Like, I'm so sorry, but I'm not gonna be able to help. I'm gonna go home. So I went home. I remember all of a sudden just feeling really anxious. Like, I don't know what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, and so I called my mom, my mom was like, what was like, what's going on? I said, I don't know. And I'm just like tearing up. Like, I don't know what's happening. I just feel super overwhelmed. I think I'm just, she's like, call 911. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like you need to call 911. So I called 911 and they were like, did you take anything? Are you pregnant? Like all these like questions that I'm just like, what? Like, no, I didn't take any drugs. Like I am not pregnant. Like all these like questions. I just felt like overwhelmed with the people um, in the hospital. And even when the doctor came over to take a look at me, she, he, they're like, we did all these tests. We did an EKG. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not having a heart attack. You're, 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 you basically had a panic attack. And, and, um, we started talking about what had been going on. And I was like, well, you know, I was been doing a lot. Um, I've been drinking a lot of coffee, been doing like a lot of Red Bull, just to try to keep up with all my commitments. And they're like, yeah, you know, you're struggling with anxiety. And in that moment, I was like, no, like I always have it together. Like I'm not, no, I don't have, even though I was in school to be a mental health therapist, that was my very first time that I experienced such a very like negative side effect from overextending myself and feeling like I just could not breathe. Um, and felt very much not like helped in the hospital. Like they just really were like, well, we'll just give you some anxiety medication and you're off. Just feeling unsupported. I remember feeling super alone. I was away from my family. All of my friends had already left um, because again, it was after finals. And I just knew then that like I needed to make a change. I could no longer be pushing myself that hard and realizing that I am more than just my sense of doing. Um, and I am more than what I do for people. Like I, I am me and I am allowed to not be perfect. Am I allowed to say no? And I'm allowing, and I'm allowed to not do the most, but that experience really did just wake me up. Like it was one of the most scariest experiences for me because I did feel very alone, not having my family there. My mom felt like she couldn't do anything because she was eight hours away from where I was at. Um, and my boyfriend at the time were doing long distance. So him as well, he was like freaked out, like what is happening? And we, we just all thought it was a heart attack. And I was just like, what? Like I'm, 22 years old how am I having a freaking heart attack right now but it was a panic attack and it was one of those moments where I really had to reflect on how I needed to show up and I remember talking to my professors because I was still there at the last week of school and I told them what happened and they were super supportive they're like yes like you need to take time off you know 
uses rest of the time to go home and just relax. And for me, relaxing has never been easy. Um, it, had, it has always been you earn your rest. And that was another thing that I had to unlearn to yeah. be kind to myself about those things. But yeah, that was kind of long-winded story. But that was one of the, mom- the biggest moments where I said, oh my gosh, if I continue like this, I will continue to have panic attacks. Yeah, it's hard to be able to give to others if you're constantly struggling on how to give to yourself. So it sounded like you came to a point of understanding who you are and accepting who you are and moving from a place of wholeness and more of nurturing yourself, that self-care. Absolutely. And it also opened me up to go back to therapy. I had already gone to therapy, um, but everything was fine. I felt like I addressed and processed things. And it, you know, you say journey, and it's it's one of those things where when we have these triggers, these things that set us off, or these behaviors that we continuously do, and we're unlearning and relearning, um, it can show up. Like new triggers can show up. Yeah. We may not feel or be as aware when we're in the cycle of busy. And that's where I was. I was in the hamster wheel of busy. I wasn't listening to my body. Instead, I was fueling it with caffeine, things that trigger anxiety and wasn't really listening to it intuitively. So when you got to that point, what were some of the steps that you took to start to create more self-care? Because self-care essentially to me is self-love, like how you love yourself and take care of yourself is essentially how you take care and love other people. Yeah, absolutely. So before then, I was in all these committees and I was uh, working like long hours. Um, I had to quit a lot of my commitments because I, I basically had to start from scratch. I knew that I needed to figure out what did I truly want to do? What do I think? What am I doing that I think is something that I should be doing because this is what's going to give me um, prestige or attention or make people think that I'm, a, you know, a high achiever? What do I need to do that feels my cup? What do I actually love to do? I really had to step in like, why am I doing this? Going back to my why, like, why am I in all these committees? Why am I um, working this many hours? You know, like, why do I feel like I need to push myself? Why can't I say no to people? So really, I, I, I went back home for the holidays because this is around December I went back home in the holidays and really just took some rest. In December, I usually would go back and work at the restaurant that I worked when I was an undergrad just to get extra cash. Um, But I had talked to my mom and I, and I told her, I don't think I can do this. And she was like, I understand, like you need to take some time off. So I wasn't working. I really did just focus on Cause when you're in burnout, like there's nothing there. The, the, the thing that you have to do is literally start from scratch. Cause when you are at the point where you are just broken, like you just broke, <laughs> you need to pick those pieces up. And so what I did is again, just completely did a reset. I allowed myself to spend time with family. I connected with my best friend from back home. Um, and then I just started sending emails to people about how um, come January, I will be exiting out of certain roles mm-hmm. um, and responsibilities. And I think that's the best thing that I could have done for myself. Giving you that, giving yourself that time to heal. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, especially when you have work, I mean, we're in a similar boat where we're giving, 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 like we're in a 
place of service, like serving others, and we always want to be on top of our game to be able to give at the highest level. And it's so I'm so happy that you took that time to really pull your energy back in. Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't come easy. I feel like I had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame for not feeling like I could keep up. And I had to actually sit with them like, where is this shame coming from? Where is this guilt coming from? You know, guilt comes from feeling like you did something bad, you know, but it was... I felt like I couldn't disappoint people. And I felt like I was disappointing my professors, disappointing my, you know, the people around me in these um, organizations that I was part of. And even, even though I felt like I was disappointing them, the biggest person that I was disappointing was myself yeah. by not listening to my intuition, my gut. Mm -hmm. And now you're teaching other people that are to do that. To, teach, to go into their intuition and trust their gut. Because I feel like you can, we all have to go through certain situations so we can then teach and help others. Oh, absolutely. I feel like a lot of us learn through other people's experiences. Our stories that we share really help other people resonate and grasp these concepts because it's, it's hard to connect when we are not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. And that was also something I had to learn to be vulnerable, to share that I don't have it all together. And while some days I, it may seem like I do, there are some days where I'm, it's okay to fall short from whatever expectations you have for yourself. Like it's okay to just be and not do. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard, especially in our social media world where everything is just like, you're so, you're, you know, the internet has created this image of who people think we are and who we actually are in real life. And of course, we always want to express ourselves in our best light, but it can be overwhelming to just think that, oh, this person has a perfect life and nobody does. Yeah. And, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in a Hispanic household and it, a lot of it was a lot of impression management. Like you always had to be of service to others. You always had to um, be well-dressed. You always had to, um, you know, be nice. You couldn't, it, it, you know, if you were at someone else's house, you had to offer to clean the dishes. If you were at someone else's house, you had to shake everybody's hand, like no sense of physical boundaries or anything. If you didn't feel like going, no, you had to go to family events. A lot of it was responsibility. I just feel, felt like I had to, that was what was ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. So unlearning that and then putting those boundaries with my family, even though they didn't think, even though they didn't know that, part of what they were doing was also enforcing me to be this person that was just always on the go and never allowed to set boundaries. That was hard. That was something, you know, that my family had to learn because it was so ingrained generation after generation to always put yourself last. Even when we eat, it's like, if you're making the meal, you eat last. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. but I mean, I get it. My family is kind of similar. I mean, it's just, and especially for women, it's like you give, 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 give until like you're dying in the corner, but it's okay. I'm, it's okay. I'm dying in the corner. And then everyone else is supposed to gather around you and be like, oh no. So there's this whole like victim, martyr kind of situation. It's intense. That whole family dynamic that really takes a lifetime to, not a lifetime, but it takes a lot of work to unravel those, um, impressions that were really deeply ingrained and in, especially when you come from a family tribal environment 
For sure. It was very, um, there's this term in psychology called enmeshment, right? We were so enmeshed, like everything, like if one person had an opinion, we all had the same opinion. Like it was like, we had to all have the same opinion. Like we like autonomy and individuality was hard Mm -hmm. when you stepped out. And I remember like, even just stepping into higher education, like that was my family was like, Oh, Monica thinks she's better than us. So she doesn't want to hang out, but it was because I chose not to hang out when they were, you know, the way they would show love is by partying, partying and drinking and being very social. And I learned that that's not the only way to show love. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, I mean, Ultimately, I feel like growing up in certain types of family, you have to kind of teach them how to love you. And you also have to, which is an important thing to know and how, because it relates to everyone in your life, how Mm -hmm. you teach people how to love you, how do you teach your friends how to love you, you teach your clients how to love you. I mean, but you only can teach people how to love you if you know how to love yourself. And ultimately, we all need that separation from our family to discover what we need. And then we can go back with the level head and be like, hey, that's not okay. This is, you know, I had to do that with my mom and my, but both my, all my family members, I had to like t- take a step back. And then when I came back, I'm like, if you, if you want us to have a relationship, these are the parameters, like making me feel guilty, doing all these manipulative acts are not going to fly. They're just not. Yeah. And it's so uncomfortable to have those conversations, but uncomfortableness is part of the process of yeah. truly having healthy relationships, right? Because if we don't, if we don't tell people what we need, if we don't know what I need, if we don't go through that exploration stage of finding out what do we need, what are our tendencies, tendencies that we show up, how have we also self-prophesized this negative reaction, Right. right? Like, for friends, for instance, I would always be like, oh, my friends never reach out to me. Do I reach out? Do I let them know that I want to be reached out for? No. But yet I can sit and say, well, my friends never do this. Well, my friends never do that. But I never asked. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, with my mom, it was really interesting because she's um, an African. She's from Africa. And like, I mean, I don't know how many people are, are listening that are also have African parents, but she loves to make you feel guilty. Like, that's just her thing. Like, everything you need, like, I'm your only mother. If you don't do this, like, oh, I might gosh. die. Like, it's always the most dramatic. Everything's so dramatic. And I was, I remember telling her, I was just like, you know, sometimes it's just best to ask for things straight out. There's no need to have this whole drama conversation because ultimately I'm going to want to say no. And then I flipped it on her. I was like, if somebody asks you this in this kind of way, you're not going to want to do it. And if you're doing it, you're doing it grudgingly and it doesn't, and you're like mad about it. And like, that shouldn't be the case. If some, if you're asking somebody to do something, you should ask from a place of freedom. If they don't want to do it, it's okay. Not because you're my daughter, you should do it because X, Y, and Z, I brought you into this world and had labor for 12 hours and I was like, who, like at a certain point, you, you know, you kind of have to stop talking about your, your childbirth story because, you know, like it really, yeah. Cause at some point it's like, you know, like this, the measurement of like how, how enoughness, right? Like how right. much is enough, this enough of like, I'm doing everything that I can do or, and sometimes like even growing up, I had my family would just 
assume that I knew what they needed and like anticipating needs. And here's the thing as humans, we cannot anticipate no matter how hard we try. Sometimes we don't know what the person actually needs. And yeah, my mom would hit me with the same thing. Oh, you never call me. You forget you have a mother. And I'm like, (laughs) the phone works two ways, woman. Like it works two ways. You can call me, you know, or, um, she, uh, she would say like, Oh, you don't want me to go over. And I'm like, no, it's not that I don't want you to come over to my house, but you need to let me know. Like you need to give me notice. Like that's my boundary. Like you let me know if I have things planned, can I show up one, because then I'm not able to give you the time that you need and spend quality time with you. You know, I'll be so, you know, preoccupied about all the things that I have to do. I'll be upset that you, you know, disrupted my day. And I don't want to have those feelings towards you. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's just communicate. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it is hard. Like I had to truly acknowledge the hurt, the, the, the things that my family would do that I just never felt like I could acknowledge because I was so afraid that they would abandon me, that that they would like disown me. Yeah. Cause I would, I would see how like vindictive they would be if like somebody crossed them that they would, but we're not talking to them. And like, then the whole family gets together. We're not talking to those people. And I'm like, damn, like what would happen if I end up, you know, just acknowledging or, or keeping them accountable for things that hurt my feelings, what would then happen? But again, it was irrational feelings of because that didn't actually happen when I actually acknowledged that there were things that I felt felt, um, that they were disrespecting or doing that was encouraging to be um, someone that I didn't want to be. They were very, very receptive to it, but it did take conversations. It just not, not one conversation ending it clicked for them. It was several conversations. Yeah. I had several conversations with my mom, periods of not talking. I mean, I had to really train her not to guilt trip me anymore. And now she doesn't. Now we can have a conversation and she doesn't guilt trip me anymore. Cause that was kind of my boundary. I was like, my boundary is like no more guilt tripping. And you know, now we can have a pleasant conversation and she's cool. And it took a while, but it took me also healing my triggers around my family. Right. Cause before she would say something and then I would go back to being 14, like powerless teenager feeling like, oh my God, why is my mom yelling at me? And then, and then at a certain point I was just like, I'm the adult now. I'm an adult. Like I can take, I could take full responsibility. I don't have to act like a hurt teenager, but that took so long. And I think that's where your inner, that, that inner conversation happens where you can start to really truly love yourself in a different way and be like does this how I want to operate my whole life like being a annoyed scared teenager not really right yeah and putting self-love into action is acknowledging your fears right and acknowledging the things that happened right because if we don't acknowledge that those things happen how can we keep other people accountable one for what happened and how can we help, you know, heal that relationship. Yeah. So I, I can, I, I completely get that. Yeah. Family is funky. I mean, it's really, it's a really trippy thing. And I think, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm totally hundred percent grateful because if I didn't have a crazy family, I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing now. Cause they're pretty much the reason why I'm doing all of this. Um, so I'm, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they inspired a lot of the things that I do. I do now. Like I felt like I definitely wanted to break 
generational curses and create a safe space for other women of color um, to feel empowered to choose themselves and to heal from the things that, you know, they need to process. Um, And I feel like it's also opened up for my family to uh, feel like mental health is you know, important because before I was like, oh no, you're crazy. Estás loca. Like you're, <laughs> you're not, um, you know, only crazy people go to therapy, like those things that the stigma around that. Um, and I feel like I lost a lot of people in my life because they struggled with depression, with uh, substance uh, uh, misuse, um, with uh, suicidal, you know, ideations and like, I wish that they, that we had cultivated a environment and family that had them feel like they could seek out help, but we didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was part of the problem. Yeah, that's a hard one. Mental health in certain families. It's like my mom, my family, that was never a conversation. It was never even an option to talk about it. And, and I think it's really powerful that now people are talking about it and removing the stigma because... I don't think I know anyone that hasn't suffered from some type of mental breakdown. You know, we all deal with trauma differently. And for some people, it takes a little longer to heal. And talking to somebody can make the whole world of difference. Yeah, yeah. And not even therapy, I think just seeking all modalities of healing that Mm -hmm. could be helpful for you. Because I do feel like not everyone can, you know, feels like therapy is a thing for them. There's so many other modalities, whether you're seeking, you know, spiritual healing, Mm -hmm. whether you're doing, you know, physical, um, like nutrition, like there's so many modalities. Um, we're so complex as humans that there's so many ways that we can truly do our self love self-help journey mm-hmm. too um so that's why i always say client related to clients like try everything like try things to see if it, they work for you you know you never know work with the coach work with the therapist see what works absolutely i think healing is always um fluid it always and mm-hmm. it needs to be fluid because we change especially with women in our cycles different seasons perimenopause menopause bleeding you just had a baby postpartum i mean there's so many hormonal shifts that happen in women's lives that that also plays a huge part of your mental health and i'm sure men have their ups and flows as well um but with women it's so it's like so obvious so many it's just like i i don't even know how to be if I wasn't in tune with that, because otherwise it makes me feel crazy there. You know, when I was younger, you know, you're like, why do I feel so crazy? And then I'm like, oh, my period's coming. (laughs) Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. And I love I don't know if you heard of cycle syncing, but that is one of the things that I absolutely love to do because now I'm able to take a whole week off. I don't see clients because I know I'll start crying for no reason, not in therapy session. That'd be weird. But, but I would just, I will feel more of the impact of those conversations and I will be in my feelings and my body is just telling me right now is just the time to reflect, to take it slow and to give you grace. So I don't schedule hard hit workouts. I don't do any of those things. I don't schedule social things because I know I'll not have the energy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cycle syncing has been a game changer for me. Yeah, I um, was actually talking to another person and she was mentioning she does it for the whole year. 
And so whenever she has big events, launches, all of that stuff, she puts it in her cycle calendar. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that for 2022. Just like do out my whole year and actually start to plan things. And when I have the optimal energy, like when I ovulate, that's when, when I'm like, Phew, the sky's the limit. You know, and when I'm on my period, I'm just exactly similar to you where it's like, okay, like I don't need drama and craziness. <laughs> I just want to be quiet in my space, like. Yeah. You don't need internal like, um, pressure. Right. So that means like, no, like no interviews, things like that. Yeah. I schedule, if I need to do like batch anything for Instagram or reels or do any recording or anything, I will always do it on when I'm ovulating. Cause that's when I feel like the most like beautiful and yeah. just like embracing, like, I feel like on top of the world. So I'm going to do as much there right. versus other times. Um, the energy is not as there. Yeah, it's such a trip. It's just a, it's so interesting how we can really like focus on creating, going with the flow of our energy as opposed to going against it, because that mm -hmm. has so much to do with our mental health and stability. If we're able to understand what our body needs and go with that flow instead of trying to create something different. Right. And it that comes with acceptance, right? That comes with accepting that you will not always have the same amount of energy all the time. For the clients that I work with specifically struggle with anxiety and perfectionism, um, anxiety, very future focused, very prevention focused. I want to prevent bad things from happening. Perfectionist. I need to get everything right, you know, the first time. And so when they're trying to squeeze work when they don't have any energy and then they feel like a failure for it, it's like if you only worked you know, your, your, your body tells us, tells you so much information. Your feelings share so many, so much information with you. Listen to it. Don't try to push through something. Cause sometimes you might not, it's not a moment to push. It's a moment to rest. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a harsh lesson. And for a lot of women, I know I had to like crash and burn until I really understood. And also it's helpful when you own your own business, right? Cause then you can mm -hmm. kind of create um, energy around that. So now you are not only helping individuals, but you're also helping professionals that are also doing the work that you're doing. How do you make that jump between working with clients and then now working with other professionals? So honestly, it was, it was, I just felt like a lot of people would just ask me a lot of questions about podcasting and they admired how I showed up, how I was authentically myself. And they really wanted to untap that for themselves. They really wanted to show up in a different way. They were like tired of maybe showing up on social media and felt like podcasting was something that could really resonate with them. There was, they could let go of this pressure of showing up on video because it's just audio. There's less pressure to just be on, you know, it's just like very go with the flow, very conversation um, driven and, uh, I think it just sparked from that. So I decided to do a group coaching program at the beginning of the year and was able to uh, work with five amazing wellness therapists to help them, you know, you know, take their idea into a podcast um, and release that. And then I created a course because I did find myself where um, though that the group coaching model wasn't for me. Um, but I, but the digital course, I was able to pour everything on there. And if people wanted to do one-on-one, -on -one, that's where I thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a good learning experience. Like, I think that is something that 
truly like I love to do. It's not my main thing, but it is one of the things that I just love to do. I love giving people wisdom. I love coming from a place of showing people to do the business that makes sense for them. I'm not here to teach them how I did it. I'm here to teach them how they can do it that works for them. I can teach them the strategy and maybe show them how, um, you know, I promote it and things like that. But ultimately, I want it to be how they want to show up because there's a lot of noise in social media saying like, I have the top strategy of how you can get this much and this and six figure business and this then that. Like, how many of us actually talk about creating a business that works with our life. Like business is just one side of things. There are so many other facets of life that we, you know, need to also. So if you're building a business that is complementary to your life, then that makes sense. And, and, and so that's what I did. Like, I don't think you have to work more to get more. And so that's kind of like what I do. And I'm working one-on-one uh, doing podcast coaching mm-hmm. with other professionals. Nice. Well, that sounds great. I mean, it's always a a space to grow. I think I love podcasting because it's it could be anything. And I love the freedom in this in that space where you can kind of create anything that you want to create and just kind of see how it goes. And it's less of a investment, so to speak, as other mm-hmm. forms of like if you wanted to do a TV show or a talk show, you know, there's you got, you're in control. Like you don't mm-hmm. need a network. You don't need anything. You can just kind of have a mic yeah. and go yeah you can just show up and be in and um yeah just you can just show up do it put it onto the world and and see where it goes I actually before I even started my business the very first thing I did is I just started a podcast I started a podcast I had 200 followers on Instagram and they were all like my family and friends and like acquaintances and I just started it and I would go to events and I would just start sharing to people of how um, I'm going to be a therapist Roman entrepreneur so I was still an intern at the time but I believed it so much that it was going to happen for me I started telling people about my dream and I remember going to this event called Dallas Startup Week not knowing anybody, I showed up and I was feeling super scared, like, uh, to even tell people that I was doing a podcast yeah. and like talk to other entrepreneurs, like, um, like big people were there, like Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. And there's all these amazing people there. And I felt like so out of place. And then a year later, I was asked to be on one of the panels. And like, that's just like, I believed it so much. And I just allowed myself to be seen. Yeah. And at the time I felt like video was just I was very anxious about showing up on video. Now I feel very comfortable, but I wanted to take baby steps and podcasting was the thing that helped me Mm -hmm. release that control and release the idea that things had to be perfect. Like, because things don't have to be perfect. We can have this conversation and then there's editing. Mm -hmm. You know, I was editing anything out, anything we don't want to say or don't want to show up. True. It's true. Well, let's get into the infinite love questions. Yeah. So the first one is, how do you, you, how do you use love in your work? How do you express love in your work? I think for me, um, I, I guess with my clients, I'm always come out of a place of helping them see their strengths so that they can truly show up for themselves, right? That's how I show my love to them. Like, even when they feel like they're not making progress or they feel like, 
they feel stuck in their in their situation. I am I feel like one of my gifts is to be able to really pinpoint people's strengths mm-hmm. and where I feel like the, the resiliency that they have and how they can build that even be more and work for them. And so, yeah, I think showing up is just like allowing people to show people strengths and focus on that versus weaknesses. Yeah. Cool. And where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Mm, I think for me, like forgiving myself for pushing myself to the limit was something that I am very grateful for. Like you mentioned about like I had to I had to be at a breaking point. I had to be at rock bottom to, you know, pull myself up. And I think I forgive myself for that. I forgive myself for taking um, myself all the way to the bottom, but I was, I'm grateful that that gave me the push to be the person that I am today. Yeah. Had I not experienced that, I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be doing this. Isn't that crazy though? It's one of these things where life is so interesting, like something terrible will happen and then you know, and then I feel like time is such a big healer because th- things will move on, life will move on, and then you'll look back and be like, oh, actually, that was a, not a bad thing that happened. But in the moment, it's so painful. Yeah, I forgive myself for the things I didn't know. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Or and also forgive yourself for the things that you thought you knew, but you didn't know. Yeah, same. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, because I had to, you know, when I go back, I have to forgive myself for those moments. Because I thought I knew, but I really didn't. Like, yeah. yeah, there's so much. I feel like forgiving is like this endless, inf- infinite. I mean, this show could also be called Infinite Forgiveness because it's like so entwined with love. It's being able to forgive and let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? Mm. there's so many people that have done so many amazing things for me but I there's two people that I feel have done the most in my life one while my mom was also someone who had had caused a lot of pain for me she also had the solution for my pain in terms of just acknowledging that pain. And I think that's the most compassionate thing she's ever done for me is knowing that I know that that was hard for her to admit that the things that she did weren't always good and weren't always helpful. I feel like that's the most compassionate thing. She's acknowledgement. And then my husband believing in me before I even believed in myself always telling me to push through just always feeling like he saw me and and I I, I don't know if that makes sense but there are people in our lives that just like just see us so well and like they know us so well that we want to make a decision they're like are you sure like because they know us because they know like whether or not we should be doing it um and so I just love that my husband has always been such a my biggest supporter and has always if I would bring something up that I knew he he made it easy to just set boundaries and to validate my feelings and to just constantly learn about myself so Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the most compassionate thing yeah those two main people it's always great to have people that love you unconditionally and see who you truly are yes what do you love most about your life I, I love the pace that I, 
the pace that I, that I have for accomplishing my goals. And I love the pace that I have with recovering from the mistakes I've made. I love that my life that the people around me, no matter where I am, that things are consistent, that things are stable. And that for a long time, I didn't have that. I didn't feel that, that feeling like I, 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 I was constantly chasing stability and feeling just sure of myself. And so I'm just glad that right now in the moment, this moment in my life, I have people who embody stability for me. Nice. How do you feel you receive love? Oh, acts of service. Like if somebody does something for me, because I'm such a doer. So when other people do things for me and just like out of a place of like, I know that this is going to allow you the, the, the place to rest. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I told my, my husband, I'd rather you do the laundry than give me words of effort. Tell me how beautiful I am. And I don't care. <laughs> I really care about the laundry. <laughs> um, you know, just as a silly thing, but I really just love when he does things for me that they're intentional. Like I know that there's intention mm-hmm. because of, you know, like intention for me to rest. Oh, that's beautiful. And the last one is where has love created a miracle in your life? I think again, it's just like, that moment, that hard conversation with my mom, I could just like, I could picture that, you know, that final, I feel like there's like a pivotal final conversation that we had that when I bared, bared my soul and just said like how much I felt this pain and how much I felt like she didn't acknowledge. And then when she just said, I know. And I just could feel the love. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, like all this time I felt like she just didn't love me or just didn't understand me. And she did. And I feel like that's what love does. It helps people see how they have hurt you. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps you see how they could be willing to do things for you to help heal that relationship. But you just have to ask, right? If you never ask, the answer is always no. Right. And you also have to have the courage to even go there within yourself, right? To, mm-hmm. And want to fix things, have that willingness to be like, I want yeah. a good relationship with whoever, like, you know, family members, lovers, partners, friends. It's like mm-hmm. you have to make that decision to decide to have a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, so how can people connect with you, get your information, follow you? Tell us all the details. Yeah, so I am really, um, I mean, I'm constantly on Instagram. It's at Cafe with Monica. I also have TikTok, which is coffee and therapy. So those are the two platforms that I I spend most of my time with, um, as well as my podcast, Cafe with Monica. And it really is geared towards sharing um, mental health topics related to entrepreneurship, just related to life and how to overcome life's challenges. Um, So yeah, people can find me there. If you're in Texas, um, I'm accepting new therapy clients for the new year. And I do have some live workshops coming up. So just check out the website, monicadenias.com and you can see everything that's coming up. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you sharing your story. It was wonderful having you here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Sending you lots of love. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara, 
and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.